We are so glad to be with you today. Um, at Austin Oaks Church, we are simply about Jesus, and everything that we have done right here in this morning already has been simply about Jesus, to meet, know, and follow him. And we believe that when that happens, just like Seth said, like that would change everything. It transforms everything. And so I wanna say hello to those that are joining us online, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube or listening to us or, or watching on your phone right now, we just wanna say thank you for being with us today. I also wanted to say thank you to those of you who are with us right now and joining us because you, you're gonna be serving us next week as we open back up uh, to have indoor services. And so I just wanna say thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for pr preparing the way for what's gonna be happening next week. Uh, your leadership and your servant-heartedness are so appreciated. Uh, we, we love you guys and we thank you. And, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is B.J. Ferguson, and I'm the executive pastor of Next Generation Ministries here, which, which means that I kind of uh, am able to speak into the children's ministry, youth ministry, college and young adult ministry, and, and, and I am so thankful to be a part of this church. Um, in fact, uh, I, I've been here for six months now, but that's actually not entirely true. I was, I was actually on for, for 10 years as one of the youth uh, pastors here for a while. And, and so this is kind of like my second iteration. But this is the first time I've been in this room since I've come back. I, I, the last sermon I preached was in this room, like six and a half years ago. And, and, I, and so this is such nostalgia for me. But this place feels like home. This church feels like home to me. And my family and I, my, my wife Louisa and my three boys, Colton, Barrett, and Riker, we feel like this is, this is a place where, where we are at home. And so I just wanted to say I am so excited to be here, be back with you guys uh, in that sense. But I also wanted to, to kind of look ahead, and, and we're, today we're going to be looking at the concept of hope, talking about what hope is, but uh, it's, it's kind of on the tail end of a sermon series that that uh, Pastor Brandon was leading us through, and Pastor Brandon has been away in, uh, on, a, on a vision trip right now. He's, he's just spending time alone listening to God and trying to discern where we're gonna go next. But we're kind of coming on the, on the heels of, of the sermon series that, that we had before in the book of Daniel that was called Yours is the Kingdom. And, and now as we look at this next one, we're gonna kind of step into to maybe what motivated Daniel to, to live the way that he lived. Daniel was a prophet that was a, an exile in Babylon, and, and he lived faithfully over time in Babylon. And we wanna know what motivated someone like Daniel to devote his entire life in the midst of hardship, in the midst of being removed from his family and friends, in the midst of being forced to learn things that, that he would have never thought to, uh, to learn or even wanted to. But what was this motiv motivation that he had to, to, to walk with obedience, to live with joy, and to live with kindness, and I believe it's centered around this concept of hope. And so I wanna ask you a question. What, what is your hope found in these days? And, and I can answer for myself and say that um, I hope this season of COVID ends. Like, I mean, like, I think that everybody on planet Earth believes that as well, but. I am finding myself reflecting on that so much. I'm, I'm saying, I hope that my children can go back to school in person. I love my children so very much. I want somebody else to teach them. Um, it's, 
it's true. It's like they are better teachers than me, and, and I want them to be taught by them. So um, we find our hope in a lot of things. But we, we, we believe that, that hope is found in something better than what currently is. But I, I wanted to go ahead and make sure that we defined it well, and, and I've been trying to think about it this week. Um, the only way I can think to define hope is by telling you a story about how bad of a dad I can be. So um, I'm gonna tell you a story. There's gonna be two different kinds of hope in this. And so um, uh, let me just sum it up. I love throwing children. Well, let me explain. Um, actually, that'll take too long. Let me sum up. Um, I'm a big guy, and my kids love it when I throw them. I love it when I throw them. The only people that don't like it when I throw them is my wife and everybody else. So, um, but this kind of led that in their younger days, they, uh, that I would just throw them up in the air and then catch them. Or they would be up somewhere high and they'd jump off and I'd catch them. And, and I think we have some photos to kind of show. Um, that's, I mean, he's not really over a tree, but he's not under a tree either. So, and then, and then there's this one that gives a little bit more perspective. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I love throwing my kids. Now, this is fun for us and them. Like, th we had fun doing this, right guys? Yeah, but what it also did was it produced an expectation. Now, um, so this was when Barrett, my middle child, was about three or four years old, and it's right over here in the, the, the playground here at Austin Oaks. Um, he climbed to the top of the climbing wall, and. And Louisa and I, we were over having a conversation about, you know, 20 feet away. And um, Bear got to the top of, of the climbing wall and he goes, you know what? Every time I've jumped off this thing, my dad has caught me. Guess who did not catch him that time? It was, it was remarkable to watch him just take a leap. Whew. He was like, this is amazing. And then his mother and I, freak out and just sprint that direction only to just comfort him after he landed. Now, everything's okay. That ground is super soft. Like we, we have done a great job as a children's ministry team to make sure that, that we've produced a safe area over there. Nothing was broken, nothing was harmed, just a few tears from mom and dad and bear um, and everything was okay. But what I see in the midst of this, there, there are two types of hope. Mom and dad had a hope that, man, I hope that Bear doesn't do anything crazy like that again. Now, that's, that's kind of a wishful hope because my boys are crazy and they're gonna do crazy stuff. But then there was the hope that I saw in that moment in Bear, that he said, my dad has caught me every single time. Every time I've been up here, every time we've done something like this, my dad has caught me. And, and without a hesitation or a fear, he jumped. And what he didn't know was that I wasn't that great of a dad. <laughs> like, there's only one thing that is reliable that can be counted on every single time, and that's the one that is perfect, and that is God, our Heavenly Father. And so I wanted to find hope in these two different ways. One is kind of like a hope that plays the odds. This is like, man, I hope I win the lottery, or, or I hope the Cowboys win a Super Bowl again. You know, things that are never gonna happen, you know? like. 
But what we see in scripture is we see that there's a different kind of hope and it's a hope that is invested in God's promises. You see, God's promises, um, God cannot lie. God has the power to do these things. So if God says something, his, his word is true. And we can depend on that as a hope. Like we can, we can hope that, like not just a, a wishful hope, but a guaranteed hope. You know, the season of Christmas actually reminds us of hope. The first week of Advent is, is all about hope. And that hope was that, that Jesus would come someday, that the anointed of God would come someday. And, and this is a promise that God has followed through on. So it's an expectant hope. And as followers of Jesus, this is our message, a message of hope, that this world is not all, that there is something greater than this world has to offer. And so as, as people that are here, hope is not a wishful thinking. It is a hope of an expectation that is gonna be followed through. You know, 2020 is the perfect time to be talking about hope. Like when we don't know what is next, we don't know what the vaccine will bring or, or what life is gonna look like in, in a month from now or a year from now, we don't know. But what we can do as followers of Jesus is that we can still trust God and we can have a hope that his word is true. Now, before we go any further, I, I, we're gonna talk about uh, Jeremiah 29 verses 10 through 14. And so if you wanted to grab your Bibles and already get there, we could do that. But I wanted to give a little bit of context uh, bef before we go there because we're actually looking at another prophet today. Uh, so Daniel was, was the last four weeks, but today we're gonna be looking at the prophet Jeremiah. And, and we're, gonna, we're gonna see what, what God does here, but we have to, when we're looking at a prophet, really understand the context. And, and so I'm gonna go back as far as uh, Abraham. Don't worry, I'll, I'll still try to get through. I'm, preaching is not something I do very often, so I'll be done when I'm finished. Um, so just bear with me. That was a joke. Y'all can laugh a little bit about that. All right, so, so we're going to go back to Abraham, but it's important to go back to Abraham because this is the promise of God that we have to live with today. And that, that promise is this. It says, uh, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house into the land that I will show you, and I will make a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. You see, God's promise here is that, that what his purposes are is not just to bless his people, but through his people be a blessing to the whole world. So we have to start with that promise, that God is going to accomplish that promise. And then that goes on through, through Abraham and his line, through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, then Joseph. And Joseph was a blessing to Egypt and the rest of the world in a time of famine. And then, then God's people were taken into captivity and enslaved in, in Egypt. And then Moses freed them by showing the, uh, the power of God to Pharaoh. And, and the people were released and, and God delivered them into the promised land and God gave them a land that he had been promise, promising to Abraham. And, and the people were supposed to be different than all the countries around him, but they said, no, we wanna be like every other country around us, so give us a king. And so God gave them kings and he gave them Saul and, and David and, and Solomon. And, and that is a, a un, un, unified kingdom that God gave uh, this, this country, this people group. And, and, and it went well, and that was the height of the, of the Jews at that time. 
But then there was some, some rough circumstances and a civil war happened after Solomon and, and it divided into the northern and southern kingdom and, and the northern kingdom was Israel and, and that got wiped out. And, and what were left was this, this southern kingdom of Judah. And all the kings in Israel and Judah, most of them, they just, they just didn't follow God. And so here we are in this time where Babylon comes to this southern kingdom and takes a bunch of God's people away and, and, and this is where we find Daniel. Daniel has been taken away by Babylon, but now we have Jeremiah who's remained in Jerusalem and, and he is now sending a letter to the people that are in exile. So that's where we find this letter of, of Jeremiah. Thank you for letting me recap that just briefly, but I wanna read this because this frames it up. This, isn't, this is right before the passage that we're gonna look at and it says this in Jeremiah 29 verse four. It says, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles from the land I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not de decrease. But seek the welfare of the city that I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for its welfare, you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets or your diviners among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying in your name and I did not send them, declares the Lord. And I just wanna recap that real quick. To the exiles, to the ones that have been taken into captivity, what Jeremiah, what God has said through Jeremiah to them has said, be fruitful and multiply. He has said, care for the city that you are in. He has said, pray for the city that you are in. And he said, trust my promises. Don't believe the lies. And that's when we get to the point where Jeremiah says this, this famous passage right here. And I would love for you to read along with me as we look at Jeremiah uh, 29 verses 10 through 14, and it says this, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and I will bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I have sent you into exile. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at your word today, God, I pray that you would be glorified among all things. Lord, that we would see that you and your promises are worth holding on to no matter what our circumstance is. God, because we believe that you will fulfill your promises. Therefore, let us have a hope that is a sure hope, a guaranteed hope, an expectant hope in you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. So I, I wanna take a few moments and just, before we kind of get into the points that I see in this passage and, and talk a little bit about the difference of, of who Jeremiah is talking to right now. 
Jeremiah is speaking to a people that is not in the promised land, but people that are in exile. And this is a, this is a unique time in this history that, that God is not talking about the, the benefit of those who were already in the promised land. He is talking about the people that are out among the other nations. You see, because I believe that the entire time God is continuing to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham when he said, you will bless other nations, you will bless other families. I bless you to be a blessing. And Jeremiah is now speaking that truth to the people that are in exile among other nations. But there are four things that I wanna look at today as we look in God's word. And, and we can see those right now. It says, the first one is, you can have hope because God will come to you. These are to the exiles in Babylon right now. You can have hope because God will bring you home. You can have hope because God's plans are for your good. And you can have hope because God will restore you. If we look at verse 10, it says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. So the message to the exiles here is that God will come to you, but I'm gonna have to be honest with you. There, there was an obstacle in this for me, which um, I don't know if this happens to you when you read scripture, but I can kind of gloss over some numbers that I wouldn't in my own life. Um, like, for example, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, like, I'd read that and be like, yep, makes sense. 70 is a nice round number. Seven is like kind of a really biblical number that's in the Bible a lot. So that's, that, that seems about right. But then as I processed it, it I started recognizing like, wait, this is a letter to a group of people that's, that's in captivity right now. That's 70 years. That is a message that's, that's saying, hey guys, be patient. God, God's on his way. It's gonna take 70 years. And those people are going like, I'm probably not gonna be here in 70 years. And I had to wrestle with that tension because, you know, patience for me is not a, not a great thing. The only thing I, especially patience when, when, when times of suffering, and the only way I can kind of give an example for this is um, I've recently started working out and one of the things that we have to do is a plank hold. And if you know what a plank hold is, it seems like about 400 hours and then at the end of those 10 seconds, like you're like, what, what happened? Like suffering seems to take forever. There's something about it. And, and so when I heard 70 years, I was like, man, what kind of hope can be found in that? Where are you, God? I'd be asking those questions. I'd be like, even now when I ask God questions and he doesn't respond to me, it's like, God, I've been waiting 10 minutes. Where are you? In this, God is saying 70 years and I will come to you. So why is this a hope for this people? Why can they look at this as a hope? Because I would just, this is, this is the way I would see it. I would wanna know, hey, God, have you forgotten me? Like, are, are, you, even, are you even here? Where, where are you? But when Jeremiah sent a letter to those that were in exile, that was a word of God, to them, a few things came to the surface and it hit me like a ton of bricks this week. God had always been saying, hey, the promised land is where I want you. The promised land is where you're headed. But he's still gonna accomplish his, his promise through Abraham to be a blessing to many nations. And God is telling his people when he sends this letter to him, he's, he's like, hey, 70 years is coming, guess what? But I'm telling you this because I haven't forgotten you. 
I am mindful of you. I am thinking about you and I know what is going on. I see you. And I wanna ask God, God, tell me that you're gonna turn this into something good. In the midst of my suffering, God, tell me that you're gonna turn this into something good. You see, this letter of prophecy from the mouth of God is, is God saying to, to them, hey, I have a purpose in this. I am mindful of you. And Psalm 8, verses three and four says this, when I look at the heavens and the works of your fingers and the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is it, uh, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? When it would have been so easy to say, God, you have forgotten us. In God's kindness, he was mindful of them. He gave them an expectant hope. He will come visit them. The next thing that God says to the ones that are in, in exile is he said, God will bring you home. And the second half of verse 10 says, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. You see, the second part of this verse reaffirms God's commitment to his promises. He says, not only will I come visit you, but I will bring you back to this place. Well, this place was, was the promised land, the place where he had set aside for them. The, like that, that promise hadn't gone away. He's like, hey, I'm gonna bring you back here to this place that I've promised you. And what he's doing is he's reminding them, hey, you remember how I was faithful and I brought God's people out of Egypt and brought them into the promised land? Hey, my promise was true then. That promise is for you right now. Like, I will bring you back to this place. And so God is, God is saying to them, look at the history that I have with you. I have been faithful to all of my promises and I will do what I say I will do. I will bring you home to the place where I have set aside for you. And this is where they can find their expectant hope. Not only in that God is mindful of them and that he will visit them, but also that he will bring them home by reminding them, hey, I am faithful. I am trustworthy. And so in that faithfulness and in that trustworthiness, we can have a hope that's not a wishful hope, but an expectant hope. The third thing we can look at here is um, that God is communicating to the exiles is that God's plan is for their good. And verse 11 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, I, I said I would never do this before I became a pastor, but I looked at the, the words in the Hebrew for, for, for that. I promised I would never do this, but I feel like I'm being that guy right now. Brandon, I love you wherever you are. Like, you're smarter than me in that, but... When I looked at the future in a hope, it, it, was, it was talking about an expected end, an expected, a future end, a, 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 a knowledge of what was going to happen ahead. And so when it says a future in a hope, I found it so intriguing that it was, it was an expected end. And so that's why you hear me saying expectant hope right now. But, but that is the question that we're all wrestling with right now, right? Like, what can I have hope in? What can I trust in? Where is my heart found? And in this verse that is so often misinterpreted because we think that it's like, oh yes, God wants good, only this good thing and he wants me to prosper and do all these things. If we take it out of the context of where these people are in the midst of that, we're gonna miss the point. Because the message is not to those that are just thriving right now, it's, 
It's to those that are in a foreign land, in the middle of suffering, but they're supposed to be seeking the welfare of the city. They're supposed to be multiplying and all the while trusting in the plan that God has for them. God, how, how can I do that? How can I, how can I see that you're actually working for, for my benefit in the midst of this turmoil? How can I see that I have a future hope here? And God answers that question in the next two verses. He says in verse 12, then you will call upon me and come to me and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You see, God is saying right here, I will hear you and you will find me. God is making it explicitly clear here that the good of God's people, their hope, their future, is the very person of God himself. It's not the location, it's the presence of God himself, that he will hear him, that he is with them, that he will be found by them. So no matter what the circumstance is or how difficult the circumstance might be, the greatest good for God's people is God himself. Philippians, eight, or Philippians 3 verses seven and eight communicates this pretty clearly in the New Testament. It says, but whatever I gain, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for, uh, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For this sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Our hope and our expectation isn't an end result of something that we think that we want. It is the presence of God himself. We have that through Jesus Christ. God says to those that are in exile, I will come to you, so have hope. I will bring you home, so have hope. God is giving them expectant hope by promising himself. This is worth everything. And the last thing that God says, he promises to his people through Jeremiah in this passage, he says in verse 14, um, like it, it, once again, we're gonna have to wrestle with this tension, but it says this, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place which I have sent you into exile. Not only are we wrestling with, with that we are in exile, but now we're hearing that it wasn't just the Babylonians that, that brought us into exile, but God is saying that he had his hand in that that God was, was actually moving, moving the pieces so that God's people would be in other nations. God in this was fulfilling his promise to make his people a blessing to the whole world. This is not an accident. This is not just by allowing, but by driving them and sending them into hostile lands. Where's hope found in this? The only place that we can find hope is that God is powerful enough to control all things, that God is sovereign, that God is powerful and is working all things to accomplish his purposes, to accomplish his promises, the things that he said is true. God, in the midst of the darkness, to those that are in the middle of suffering, he is reminding them that he is mindful of them. He is reminding them that, 
that they can trust his promises. He is reminding them that he is their reward, and he is now telling them that not only will they come home, but he is strong enough, and he is powerful enough, and sovereign enough to give them everything that they had lost. See, God's sovereignty and his power is what gives them the expectant hope that they can live out in a foreign land. And God will restore all things. So God will visit those that are in exile. God will bring home to those that are in exile. God will um, be their, their God. He will be with them. And God will restore all things. That is the the, the summary of the past four points, but, but what about the promises to us that, that aren't uh, the Israelites in captivity, but, but here we are today as followers of Jesus? Well, let's take a look at what 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 says. This is, this is written to the early followers of Jesus. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. In light of this, we find that, that these promises can be held by us because we are also exiles. Those that are followers of Christ, our citizenship is, is no longer of this earth. It, it's in heaven. It's, it's with God. And so we're in a foreign country now, just like God's people, and God is accomplishing his purposes through his people by being a blessing to, uh, to the ends of the earth, by being a blessing to every family. And so when God says to the exiles, I will come to you, what we know is that Jesus has already come to us. That's what the Christmas season is, right? We, we waited patiently for our king and God delivered and that was Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is mindful of us. Jesus came to us at just the right time and therefore we can have a hope that he will not leave us alone. God said to the exiles, I will bring you home. We know that Jesus has already brought us home but even more so, we've been adopted into the family of God. We are the children of God. John chapter one tells us that Jesus gave us the right to be called children of God. Romans 8.15 says, for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Our citizenship is no longer here, it's in heaven. We are a part of the family of God. We can live with a hope because God has already brought us into his house. The third one is this, God said to the exiles, my plan is for your good. Jesus' plan is that we might have complete access to God the Father right now. Because of the work that Jesus did by, by him laying down his life, we now have access to his Father through him, through his sacrifice. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can now have confidence to come to God, to pray to him, to, to come near to him, and that he will hear us and he will be with us. That was actually given to us when Jesus Christ promised the Holy Spirit to us. The Holy Spirit is with us at every moment. That is God living with us in every moment. That is what we have in the promise of Jesus. But as a people of God, having 
complete access to the Father, knowing that he has sent Jesus to us, knowing that we are a part of the family of God, we can live out of this expectant hope. But there's one more thing, something that's, that's us looking ahead, something that's not, that, that, that we just have right now, but, but we as followers of Jesus can look ahead to an expectant hope of someday, and it's when God said to those that are in exile, I will restore everything, Jesus says, one day, everything will be completely restored. A day is coming when Jesus will return and all suffering and all brokenness and all injustice will be completely restored. There is nothing that will hinder us from being face to face with the God of the universe, the one that created everything. Church, this is for us. This is what we have. If we are followers of Christ, we have the ability to have access to God the Father. And, and someday we will see him face to face. And our expectant hope in that day gives us the ability to walk boldly in every single moment. So what does it look like to, to live as somebody with, with this kind of knowledge? Knowing that this world is just temporary? Knowing that, that every pain is just temporary? And on the other side, that every joy in this world right now can, might only be temporary, it would cause us to live radically. Living with this kind of hope would give us the ability to, to worship radically. Living with the expectant hope that, that we will stand face to face with God someday, we can serve others radically. We can seek the welfare of this city radically. We can disciple the next generation with excitement and with joy in a way that nobody's ever seen before. And the kind of hope that we are talking about right now is not an idle hope. It's not a pat yourself on the back and be like, hey, I made it, I get to be with God. It is an active hope that is pushing us ahead, moving us to the presence of God. It's the hope that Jeremiah communicated to those that were in exile. It's the hope that Jesus walked in every day. If we are wanting to multiply God's family while we're here, if we are wanting to pray for and seek the welfare of the city where God has put us, then let us believe the promises of God and let us walk with this expectant hope. Let us walk with boldness into, the, into what God has in store for us as a church, Austin Oaks. The future is bright. God has plans for us because God is worth it. For those of you who don't know where you stand, with this hope. Maybe you, you haven't received this hope. Maybe, maybe this is something that you're looking for right now. I wanna give a little picture of Jesus. You see, Jesus modeled this life for us. He modeled what it was like to live as an exile in a foreign land. See, Jesus being God, left his citizenship of heaven and came to earth. In all the ways that we would fail to trust God and believe God and follow God's promises, Jesus lived it out and he walked perfectly. His life was radically different. He invested in people and invited people into the family of God. He cared for others and sought their welfare. He trusted God to the end. Jesus, being part of God's plan to give us a hope and a future, laid his life down so that we can experience God's promises forever. You see, Jesus' body was broken and his blood was shed to restore us to a right relationship with God. Jesus willfully died on a cross. He was buried, 
But the reason that we are here today, the reason that you are watching online right now, the reason that we stand as followers of Jesus today is not that he died 2,000 years ago, but that he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. See, Jesus is alive today, and he is inviting you to receive the blessing of God's promises. The scriptures say that if you want this, you should simply say yes to Jesus. Believe that he is the son of God and believe that God raised him from the dead. You see, every follower, follower of Jesus has been somebody who was lost, somebody looking for hope and looking for a good future, but broken and in need of something only God can provide. We have found this hope in Jesus. He is our expectant hope. He is our guaranteed future. If this is something that you are wanting, if this is something that you want to have this hope, if you want to walk in the boldness of knowing the future that God has in store for you, that one day you might stand in face to face with God and he said, you are my child, welcome home, then all we have to do is receive that gift from God. I ask you in boldness, talk to somebody about that today. You could communicate to us right now. You could, you could talk to somebody right next to you. The beautiful part of being online right now is that you can reach out to another human being and we can respond to you. And so if God is moving in your heart right now, I want you to invite somebody to have this conversation with you. Reach out to us, we will respond. In just a moment, Pastor Seth is gonna come up here and lead us through a time of communion. You see, communion is a time where we simply remember what Jesus had to sacrifice so that we might be able to experience the hope in the future that we've been talking about. I pray that in this time that God would bring the comfort and the peace that can only be found in him. Verse 11 says this in the context that we're talking about. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Church, let us live with this same expectant hope, the same hope that is found in the joy of a child that would jump off of a high ledge boldly with the expectation that the good heavenly father, our perfect heavenly father, would catch us. He would always be with us and always be for us. Let us be willing to take that leap. Let's pray, church. Father, you are worth everything. God, you were worth running after and pursuing after and chasing after. And God, we ask that you would meet us here. God, we, we pray that you would give us the boldness to live out your promises each day. God, because in the midst of that, we will find every bit of satisfaction that we need. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the promises that are found in him. God, let us, let us praise him with every ounce of our being. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.